This is the Bigger Pockets Podcast Show 386, part one of two. Guys, it's my whole approach is service. I want to make sure we provide service to our sellers, to our buyers. So if the deal don't make sense for them, don't do it. You know, don't do it. You're listening to Bigger Pockets Radio, simplifying real estate for investors large and small. If you're here looking to learn about real estate investing without all the hype, you're in the right place. Stay tuned and be sure to join the millions of others who have benefited from BiggerPockets.com, your home for real estate investing online. Hey, what's going on, everyone? It's Brandon Turner, host of the Bigger Pockets podcast, here with another amazing episode that we're going to talk about a ton of cool stuff with my friend, Mr. David Green. What's up, David Green? How you been? I've been pretty good, man. You're still working at home, I see, because your video looks like garbage. Yes, it does. Just a plain <laughs> wall behind me. For a while, we had my couch wall and my TV, you. and now it's a plain wall. Yeah. I can't go to the office, so that part's tough, but there's a lot of tough things going around right now. So all things considered, I have nothing I can complain about. All things considered, yeah, yeah. It's one of those, uh, you know, first world problems, I guess. You exactly know, right. A plain wall behind you. You don't have the blurred background <laughs> that I got. Well, I would hate you know, to compete with you for aesthetic life. things, right? Like I have to let you beat me at one thing. And if it's going to be looks, I'm okay with you mm. dominating there. <laughs> Speaking of people who are dominating, we have a great guest today. Marcus Maloney has put himself together Look a at nice little business. That yeah. I'm nice learning transition. from the best. Yes, he has. Mm, that's good. Yes. Marcus Maloney. Yeah, keep going. You're you're on a roll. Let yeah. hear it. Let's see. So it. Marcus is a uh, Phoenix wholesaler and flipper. He's also got some rental properties. He's kind of I, I'm definitely adhere to this style a little bit more of you go find the lead and then you figure out what to do with it. You can wholesale it. You could flip mm. it. You could keep it as a rental. It, when you become an agent, you can even put it on the market and list it. Because I know that lead generation is the most important part of making money in real estate, I like having multiple exit strategies to do stuff. And Marcus has done exactly yeah. that. And he shares some really good advice for not only how to get the leads and then dispo them, but how to use other people's money while you're doing it. Yeah, it's true. Yeah, he, he talks about going from like a bad drug. He was like a bad drug dealer, he says, <laughs> to getting started with like 200. Like he had $200 when he started, guys. So like if, if Marcus can do this thing, you can do this thing. It's awesome. He talks about virtual deal making as well, like how to do this long, uh, long distance, which is kind of cool. Uh, we talk a lot about performance coaching and how it kind of helped all of us get to the next level. And like Marcus is just like a cool dude. Like he drives a Harley. Like he's just like, he's just a cool dude. And by the way, this was recorded pre COVID. That's why part two is going to be tomorrow. We're going to do a follow-up. So nothing really changes from this episode. We just wanted to bring Marcus back tomorrow on the show to just find out like what's changed in his business. And some stuff did change. So make sure you're listening to today's show. And then tomorrow, Listen to the next episode, part two of this podcast. Cool. Anything you want to add there, Greeny? No, I think just so you guys are aware, Brendan and I are switching things up a little bit where we're interviewing the guests and then we're following back up with them to see what has changed either since uh, COVID-19 hit or how their business has been updated. Because as you guys know, like business is a fluid thing. It doesn't just stay in one place. So we're trying to give you the perspective yeah. from the front looking forward and then the end looking backwards so that you get a better picture of how their business is operating as a whole. Yeah. Yeah. That's exactly it. So anyway, that's cool. Uh, let's get on to today's quick tip. Today's quick tip. If you guys want to know about different companies that are in the real estate world, like different mortgage companies or maybe property management software or whatever, there's a lot of business out there and you want like a nice like review about 
like how that company actually is. Bigger Pockets actually now has a review site as part of Bigger Pockets, just because we want to help you guys out, be able to look for the good guys and the bad guys, or from the bad guys. So go to biggerpockets.com/reviews. Very simple. Biggerpockets.com/reviews. Learn more about things like SunTrust Mortgage, Wells Fargo, Guild Mortgage, Buildium, Released, Rent Manager, Quicken, Cozy, and a whole lot more. You can learn about a bunch of reviews of those different companies. So check it out. Biggerpockets.com/reviews. Passive income without the property headache? It's possible. There's a way to invest passively in real estate and get monthly income without any tenants, maintenance, or property management. The wealthy have been doing this for years, and if you're an accredited or high net worth investor, you too can collect cash flow without the headaches that come from owning rentals. How? By investing in a private real estate fund with PPR Capital Management. PPR's co-founder, Dave Van Horn, wrote the book on real estate note investing for BP. But he's not just investing in notes. Dave and his team also have an extensive background in commercial real estate. And with PPR Capital Management, they're strategically investing in both notes and commercial real estate nationwide. With over half a billion dollars in assets under management, PPR has provided individuals with a steady source of truly passive income since 2007 without ever missing a payment. Check them out at investwithppr.com. Again, if you're looking to get monthly passive income from an experienced team with a strong track record, go to investwithppr.com today. This show is sponsored by Airbnb. Did you know that I turned one of my first homes into an Airbnb? It's true. And it even helped me get the extra income I needed to launch my real estate career. So if you want to try your hand at making even more income with your property, Airbnb is the place to be. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. You might think you want real estate, but that's not true. What you really want is passive income. With new investors struggling to find deals or get enough money to buy them and veteran landlords tired of the constant tenant phone calls, is there a better alternative? Actually, there is. Short notes from Connect Invest. Connect Invest is an online investing platform that allows you to easily participate in passive real estate investing, and all you need is $500 to start. Short Notes collectively funds a diversified portfolio of commercial and residential real estate projects across acquisition, construction, and development phases. You'll earn a fixed monthly income without the hassle of owning or managing real estate. Head to connectinvest.com BP to create your account. Fund your digital wallet with at least $500. Select from 6, 12, and 24-month short notes with annualized return rates up to 9%. Then sit back and let your monthly returns roll in. Join today by visiting connectinvest.com BP. Connectinvest.com BP. And uh, yeah, I guess that's all I got. So let's get to today's episode with... Marcus Maloney. All right, Marcus, welcome to the Bigger Pockets podcast, man. Good to have you here. Thanks, Brandon. Thanks for having me. And thank you, David. Yeah. So this is going to be a lot of fun today. So I know a little bit about you only because you write for the Bigger Pockets blog. I see your name around all the time, uh, but I don't know your story. So I'm kind of excited to dig into that today. So why don't we start at the beginning then? Like, how did you get into uh, real estate? Well, I'll go back a little bit, uh, Brandon. First of all, just letting you know, I, I grew up about 60 miles south of Chicago on a farm and my grandfather and my mother, what we had to do in order to get school clothes for the next school year was, you know, we had to, we would go to an auction, we would buy a small little piglet and we would have to feed that piglet over the summer, make them as fat as possible, take them back to the auction for the fall <laughs> and see what kind of profits we make. And that's how we got our school clothes. So I, I learned very early how to be entrepreneurial. And just from that, man, we, we kind of spawned and did other things. My mom started a 
nonprofit in Illinois. And that's really how I got started in real estate is because we were buying these properties and we were putting transitioning families into them. And I was doing human resources at the time, but I found myself constantly going out with the contractors and hanging out with them and checking up on the work and see how things were going. And then voila, I knew that this was my actual mission. This is what I was supposed to be doing. And that's kind of how I got started in the real estate. But that took a backseat because my brother, who's four years older than me, he went to college and everybody was like, well, Mark, you need to be like Mike. You need to go to school. You need to go to college. You need to get a degree. What are you doing? You're just bumming around. So, you know, I fell to the peer pressure and went and got a college degree, got a master's degree and not doing anything with it. Yep. So I found my own path, moved to Phoenix. And when I moved to Phoenix, I was promised a job. Uh, but once I got out here, they rescinded the offer. So I had me, my family, we moved, you know, 1500 miles away. So I immediately had to, had to get to work, you know, and I figured that during this time was the best time for me to really do what I wanted to do. Yes, I could go out and just get some menial job because I had a master's degree, but I really wanted what I wanted to do, which was my passion was real estate. So I started listening to Bigger Pockets. Actually, I was listening to Bigger Pockets on my drive from Chicago to uh, Arizona. And that's how I, that's how I found you guys. And I was like, man, you know what? I don't have any idea what they're talking about, about direct mail and yellow letters and stamps and envelopes. But during that time, I, I just knew real estate was my passion and I didn't have any money. So wholesaling was my uh, entry into real estate. That's awesome. All right. So you're listening to us and, and, and you got what that very first deal then the first thing you did on your own there, what that look like? Okay. So the first deal I did on my own was I did a small, I, I started with 200 bucks, Brandon. I had a small $200 first premier credit card. And I said, you know what? Everything that I hear about is just being consistent. So I would mail 10 letters a day, you know, handwrite them, put my own stamps on them, mail them every day. And then I got a call from a lady and she had a single family house, but then it had a guest house in the back. And I talked with her, negotiated, got it, got it for $50,000. I couldn't justify the rehab cost or anything like that. So I'm really just winging it. So (laughs) got it for 50 K and then I immediately posted it on Craigslist. So you know how old this is. I'm talking about Craigslist. (laughs) And honestly, it was about 10 minutes, 15 minutes later, I got a message. Somebody gave me a call and they said that they would, they would buy it for $69,000. So I'm thinking, wow, this is 19 grand right off the bat. you know, my first deal and went through, I didn't know how to talk to the seller. I didn't know how to talk to the buyer. I didn't know if my numbers was right. I didn't have a title company, you know, so right now I'm just flying by the seat of my pants, but I knew, Hey, I got a master's degree. I could figure it out. (laughs) You know, even though I'm not doing anything (laughs) with the degree, I could figure it out. And, uh, lo and behold, we closed that and it was $19,000 and my wife, she really, she really understood what I was doing. And then we just, spawn, I just spawned from there. So are you saying that the key to getting your spouse on board with real estate is to bring home a check for $19,000 to start <laughs> the conversation? That's right, man. You got, you got to have some money when you got a wife like mine's man, money talks, everything else is nothing. <laughs> I like that, you know, but it actually, I mean, it's a joke, but if you think about it, somebody was asking me, how do you get people to believe in the power of real estate when they're, when they're naysayers, like how, David, how did you get people to believe in you? And I thought about it and I said, I really 
didn't even talk about it till I'd already done it successfully. They really couldn't deny what I was the power of real estate because yep. I'd already owned a bunch of rental properties and made a bunch of money and had a bunch of equity. And it had like, it had changed my life. I didn't have yeah. to work as much as other people did. And I think there's something to be said for before you try to win people over, go do it, be successful and have a little bit of firepower behind you. Cause I can see how, honey, I, w- I want us to invest in real estate and all the, the what ifs start in her mind. And then you put a check down that probably quiets a lot of those questions. Yeah. And not only that, David, remember we moved out here. I didn't have a job. She was really the primary breadwinner at the time. And it was like, okay, you got a master's degree Go and go and get a job. And I was like, well, no, that's not what I want to do. If I wanted to just work, I could have stayed in Illinois. So it was really that paradigm shift. I mean, that's when I started, you know, reading Robert Kiyosaki's stuff. And, and I was like, okay, I'm just going to jump out here and do it. And at the time I wasn't a young buck either. Yeah. Hey, how old were you when you started that? I was 36. All right. That's good to hear because a lot of times I think on our show, especially we have a lot of, you know, like the 20 year old, the 25 year old, it's like, wow, look at this. And so like, it's good to know, like you can get started later. Like, like, I mean, not like 36 is late in life, but you can start it later in life, you know, like, and it, and it worked. I mean, I've had people talk to me that are 50 years old, 60 years old saying, can I still do this? And my answer is usually, well, I started when I was 20 with no experience, no knowledge, no idea what I was doing at all. We didn't even have bigger pockets like we did today. Didn't have podcasts, didn't have the webinars. And by 27, I was able to quit my job. So if I can do it in seven years with none of that, somebody who's 60 yeah. with all that life experience and all of that everything they've got bringing the table. Yeah. It doesn't really matter what age you get in. It's doable and probably a lot faster than I did it. Now, before we jump into more of your story, that first deal was a wholesale deal. Can you, right. Can you explain what that is for those who don't know, maybe they're brand new to the podcast today. They're not sure what this is. What is wholesaling uh, and how does that work? So basically wholesaling is you're, you're leveraging the seller actually. So what you're doing is you're marketing to a seller that is, that's in some kind of distress situation. So they may be going through pre foreclosure. It may be an absentee owner, which is a landlord who's currently doing an eviction, you know, or somebody that's behind on tax liens. Actually this property, this deal was a tax default deal. So I talked to the seller, said, told the seller, Hey, we can pay $50,000 for it, put up the earnest money. So now we have control of that deal. And during that time, I had a 14 business day inspection period. So I had almost a month to try and find my back end buyer. So with that being said, that's when I posted a property on Craigslist, had someone to give me a call. And now I just matched the buyer and the seller together. I had the spread in the middle, which was the assignment agreement. And then we went to the closing table and I got the $19,000. The seller um, was able to sell the property and the buyer was able to get a good deal. Yeah. That's good. That's good. That's good. That wholesaling is a fascinating concept because you're, I mean, there's wholesaling in almost any, any industry, right? You can go to China and buy toilets for $12 and then sell them to Home Depot for $40 and Home Depot sells them to you for, you know, a hundred. And so like, there's a wholesaler in the middle of a lot of different businesses. This is just real estate. Now there are, and we are not lawyers. We're not going to go into, into depth and what the right and wrong way, but just understand if you're listening to this and you're like, that sounds amazing. There are legal ways to do this and there are illegal ways to do it. Uh, and Absolutely. depending on what state you're in, this different states have different rules. So just make sure you guys do your or do your homework and make sure you're not doing anything wrong. The illegal part usually comes from practicing real estate without a license. And some states define wholesaling as yes, that is. And only a couple do that are that I know of that are really strict on it. Or but even people that people are still wholesaling there. So again, there's ways to do it. There's ways around the rules. You just gotta make sure you're doing it right. And and to make sure that I was doing it right, Brandon, I went out and I invested my time, energy, and money, and I got my real estate license. That way I wouldn't run into any roadblocks, you know, because I always, 
again, I had family, so I didn't want to go to jail. You know, yeah. that, would, that <laughs> yeah. wouldn't be the right way to start off my life here in Arizona. You know, but there was one key thing that you said earlier in the conversation and you were talking about some self-limiting beliefs, right? That was me. I was like, I'm 33. You know, the people that I hear on Bigger Pockets, you know, they're in their 20s. You know, am I too old? And then you have the young people that say, am I too young? You know, yeah. so just letting people know, hey, you just got to quiet that, no- that noise that's in your head and get out there and get started. Well, a lot of the other noise that you hear is I'm not ready yet. People think they got to build up a buyer's list and they got to have like a lot of pieces in place. So when they get the deal, it's all lined up. But that's really not how most success works in business or being entrepreneur. What you did was you went and found the deal and then you scrambled to put all the other pieces together. If you had waited till you had a list of buyers from Craigslist before you went looking for the deal, you never would have ever got anywhere. And I really like to highlight that part because so many things in life work that way. You don't know what step three is going to be until you get to step two. You have a very hazy idea what step two is going to be when you're on step one, if, if anything, but you feel the motivation to move along once you start the process, like once you had that deal, you felt, man, I got to go find a buyer. Where am I going to look? Okay. I know people look on Craigslist. I start talking to my friends. Maybe you went to a real estate meetup and you told people, yep. Hey, I got a deal for, for, you know, whatever it was, $65,000 who wants to buy this thing. And then you realize, Oh, that worked. I could do that again. Where else could I do something that's just like that? And that's really like how you build up a business and a system. It is. And I always tell people, you know, it's not just perseverance and tenacity, but you got to have faith. I had to believe that I was able to do this. You know, that was one of the things I had these self-limiting beliefs, but I was like, you know what? I'm just going to throw caution to the wind and I'm just going to get out here and do it. And if I fail, so what? I can fall back on this master's degree that I'm not doing anything with, you know? So I really had to jump out there and take that leap of faith. Cause again, you know, I had a five-year-old, a six-year-old, and a 13-year-old plus my wife. So everyone was looking to me like, hey, you better make this work. That's awesome. Okay, so what came next? So after that, so I had the the $19,000 and I had to set some to the side because again, I I didn't have any other income coming in. So I paid up rent, you know, for some months in advance and paid my tithes, gave 10% to a charitable contribution. And then I uh, used that money and I kept marketing. So I went back. And I said, okay, well, if I did this one, let me try and do it again. And and honestly, just do what I did before. And now I just started marketing and doing more. So I started putting a lot of that money into marketing. And can, can I make a quick ahead. point before we get to the marketing? Cause I really want to get that, but I want to make sure we touch this beforehand. Uh, I love the fact that you said I took part of the profit and I, I, I paid it forward. Basically I tied that I gave it to a charitable organization. So many people out there are, they have this concept of, I'm going to start giving money away when I'm rich. Like, but I've always believed that if you have a thousand dollars and you can't give a hundred dollars, you're not going to give 10,000 when you have a hundred thousand, you're not going to give a hundred thousand when you have a million, like giving is kind of a heart issue more than it is a, than it is a dollar issue. Uh, you know, and so I love the fact that you just said, I'm going to, I'm going to set this aside right now and give that. And there's also something that just frees us in our mind when we do that, that says releases our grip on money and the scarcity you mindset know. we have. And and that was actually one of the reasons why I did it, Brandon, is because part of my backstory, which I didn't tell was, you know, I sold drugs, but I was very unsuccessful. I was the <laughs> worst drug dealer there was. And that was because of my conscience, you know, oh, and, man. um, you know, I knew the, the, the terrible effects it was that was happening, having, but I was making this money and I wasn't really doing anything with it. And then I went through a period of being completely dead broke. And I'm a firm believer in Jesus Christ. And it always talks about tithing and paying it forward. So I said, let me just try this, <laughs> you know, yeah. and see what happens. And then when I started tithing faithfully, 
it's like those seeds just start materializing and I started finding other deals coming coming from everywhere and started networking with the right people. And, and then my business just started blooming. Yeah, there's this great study and I'm going to kind of butcher it now, but basically there's this guy who did the study showing like two identical families. One just gives an extra like $100 a year versus the other one. And like everything was the same about them. Like, you know, I mean, everything was the same about the two families in this study. Yet the, the family who gave the extra $100 made an extra like 300 and some dollars a year, like actually earned more. So there's something about the act of giving that actually mm -hmm. make people earn more, which is crazy. But pretty much every religion, every faith out there has some kind of thing about that. Like when you give, yeah. you you get back. And I'm not saying like going to get $100 today and you're automatically get 300 tomorrow. But there's something in here that we're programmed to release our hold on money and, and to be less greedy. And it comes back to us. So that's hey, and you're, you're absolutely right, Brandon. Absolutely right. And money is currency. So it, it has to continuously flow. And if it don't flow, then you, you'll lose it. You know, so that's one of the things that I learned about it. So that was my entry into real estate was was really doing these wholesale deals and still doing it right now. And one thing that I also wanted to share was the person that really became my mentor and showed me how to do everything. And the reason why he became my mentor is because one of the first failed deals that I did, I sent it out. I had this small little buyers list and he looked at it. He said, dude, what are you doing? You know, he <laughs> said, you're sending out a property that's at retail price trying to get a wholesale deal on it. And uh, he, at the time he called me in and he was like, look, sit down, let's, let's talk. Let me show you how to do this. And I started working with him. So I started getting that education mm. and that education really helped me build that confidence. And now that person that I was working with, that was my understudy. Now we're virtually wholesaling and he's, he's a partner of mine. That's cool. That's awesome, man. All right. So you took that money, you paid your tithe, you, you probably paid some taxes on that. You dumped it into marketing to generate more deals. And so now you've got a marketing machine happening. What kind of marketing were you sticking with? What do you do? To, I mean, let's go. What, what were you doing and what are you doing today to generate leads? I was doing direct mail then, okay. strictly direct mail. And now I'm doing direct mail, plus I'm doing some cold calling and some text messaging. But still, the majority of my leads come from direct mail. Nice. And, and what have you found has been, what's worked well? Because I know different things work in different areas for different people, for different reasons. What has worked well for you in direct mail? Well, with direct mail, it's a professional letter, full color, with a professional envelope, full color. I don't mm. subscribe to the postcards. I know they people have the impression that they're cheaper, but if you if you're with a, a local mail house, they'll teach you how to send out that professional letter with a professional envelope, the same cost that people are selling, sending postcards. So when they get that professional letter, they're looking at this as this is a legit business versus someone sending a handwritten letter or something like that. Not to say that those don't work, but we've just been having a higher open rate and response rate with the, with the professional letters. That's awesome to hear. Yeah, because you know, you, you'll find people who swear the opposite works for them and, and something different. And that's why you don't know until you start doing it and start trying it. But I love the fact that like you just did it. You took the money, you dumped it back into it. It started producing leads and uh, it's still working today. So that's, that's awesome. So let's get a, like, kind of a, this is the question David usually asks, but like overall overarching view of your, your investments today, like what all do you do? Are you doing any rentals? Are you doing any flips? Just yes. wholesaling. Okay. So wholesaling was my entry, uh, got into that. And then I started taking some of the money that I was making from the wholesale. And I knew that I needed passive income, you know, because if I don't close a deal or don't close two deals, then what am I going to do? I'm back to zero. So I took that money and I started 
paid off some debts, got my credit together. And then I started buying some rentals. I was buying some rentals back in the Midwest, 30, 40, $50,000 rentals. And they were turning, you know, bringing me $750 gross, which was about five, four, $500 net. And I just started building on that and building those. That way, if I come to a point where I don't close a wholesale transaction, I still have $4,000, $5,000 coming in a month. So that's where I'm at right now. And then I started listening to you, Brandon, about the bird method. So I was I like, know. okay, well, I'm going to try that, you know? So I, I I would buy these properties under value, put $10,000, $15,000 into them, get them leased up. And that way I would then pull that equity out and go and buy another one. So I've been really focusing on doing that more. So now we're still doing the wholesale, but we know that that passive income is really the meat and potatoes. And in the midst of doing that, we found... And I know this may be a little bit off topic, but we found a turn of the century school that was built in 1897. And we converted that. When I say we, my family and my partner, we converted that into a daycare. So we purchased that property for $70,000. We put another 30 into it. So we were all in at like 100. And now that property, every month we get 2250 on. Are you running the daycare or are you leasing it to someone who runs it? Leasing it. We're leasing it out to someone. Oh, that's awesome. So you basically like, I don't know, investing in real estate that invests to like, basically investing in commercial real estate at that point. Yeah. So you're not dealing with, uh, yeah, that's cool. My mom did daycare all growing up. That was my, my mom's job was she did in our house daycare. And, uh, I'm actually a fairly, I'm, I'm a very big believer in that business model. Like, not that I'm going to jump into a daycare center, but <laughs> I, I'm actually a big believer in it. Cause it's like reoccurring subscription revenue. That will never end no matter what. Like we are always having kids and people are always doing it. And and parents aren't working less these days. They're only working more, which means there's more need all the time. So uh, that is a, that's a cool recession resistant business right there. Yeah. And the good part about it, guys, is that I said we had the nonprofit back in Illinois. So the daycare is affiliated with our nonprofit. So Mm. the lease is a triple net lease. I don't have to worry about paying anything. They pay everything. Actually, my sister-in-law is the one that runs the daycare. So I'm pretty much hands off. And I know that that money is coming in every month, you know, like clockwork. That's awesome. So how many rentals did you end up with in the Midwest? So in the Midwest, I have nine doors currently. Okay. And then I know one thing that really appeals to people about wholesaling is that you can kind of cherry pick the deals you want to keep and then sell the rest. Are you keeping anything you generate in Phoenix or are you just taking the money and putting it into rental properties in the Midwest? I'm just taking the money and putting it in the rental properties in the Midwest. And that's because I'm just getting the returns, the better returns out there. Now, properties appreciated so much here in Phoenix to where, you know, you're really not making any money. Yep. Tough to cash flow. So then who's, who are typically your end buyers that you're wholesaling it to? Fixing flippers. And we just did one that was going to a uh, landlord. So it was a small deal and uh, he said he wanted it and we just flipped it on over to him. We were going to keep it and just use it as a rental, but it was a little bit too small for us. So we just put it out there to our buyers list just to see what happens. And someone raised their hand and we'll make, you know, seven, eight grand on that one. Mm-hmm. This show is sponsored by Airbnb. Did you know that a long time ago, before I ever started my real estate business, I turned one of my first primary residences into an Airbnb? And that's the extra income that I needed from Airbnb that gave me the confidence to go out and work for myself and eventually quit my nine to five job. And now I have dozens of Airbnbs all over the country. I've even partnered up with the old David Green on a recent property in Scottsdale to take our portfolio to the next level. And of course, we host it on Airbnb. 
but you don't need to be a full-time real estate investor to start on Airbnb. As a matter of fact, I was self-managing 10 properties while working my nine to five job, so I know anybody can do it. Think about it this way. You're looking for extra income and going on a vacation. Wouldn't it be great to rent out your space and let your property pay for itself while you're gone? I did this one time. I pitched my wife and my roommate because we were house hacking on the idea of renting out our home and it paid for all of our expenses on a trip to Mexico City. So go and give it a try. It might just change your life just like it did mine. And I really do mean that. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Whether you need to buy or sell, or you're just obsessed with looking at homes for sale, Redfin's got you covered. Redfin updates their listings every two minutes to help you see new homes first. And they give you personalized recommendations based on the homes you like, so you can find a home that's just right for you, whether that's a cabin, a craftsman, or a castle. With the top-rated Redfin app, you can favorite homes, share listings with others, and schedule tours even on the same day with a local Redfin agent who can help guide you through the whole home buying process. And if you're looking to sell, Redfin agents have the experience to help you get the best price possible for your home. That's because they sell twice as many homes as other agents. With a listing fee as low as 1%, Redfin's fees are half of what others often charge, which means you'll have more money to put towards what matters most to you, like your next home. In fact, last year, Redfin saved home sellers $127 million. No matter where you are in your real estate journey, Redfin can help. Download the Redfin app to get started today. We're always looking for ways to improve, searching for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for better is by matching with quality candidates. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of the show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BiggerPockets. Just go to Indeed.com slash BiggerPockets right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Terms and conditions apply. Indeed.com slash BiggerPockets. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Real estate investing is great, but for some, the tenant phone calls and clogged toilets aren't all that attractive. So how do you invest in real estate without getting your hands dirty? Invest for truly passive income with Pine Financial Group. Pine's mortgage fund offers a targeted 8% preferred return and an attractive profit split with 70% of net profits going to the investors. You'll earn passive income by participating in lending to house flippers. And it's secure because senior lien holders, that's you, are first in line to get paid. Their rigorous underwriting process and the backing of a physical asset mitigate downside risk. Plus, by investing with Pine Financial Group, you contribute to the revitalization of communities by directing your funds from Wall Street to Main Street and supporting local economies. The investment is reserved for accredited investors. Don't miss this opportunity to back Main Street over Wall Street and start earning passive real estate income. Learn more about investing with Pine at pinefinancialgroup.com BP. pinefinancialgroup.com BP. So tell me a little bit about what your business looks like. How many people do you have answering the phone? How many phone calls are coming in? How do you filter from a lead that calls and says, I got your mail to I'm closing on this deal? 
Okay. So basically we have three acquisitions managers, and then we have one field guy that's running out, going to the property. So the acquisition managers, they do everything from the intake all the way to closing. So they're, they're scheduling everything, negotiating everything, and they're making sure we get to the goal line with it. So yeah. what we do is we, how we decide on which ones we're going to keep because we do fix and flip also. So we just look at the margins. If the margins are real thin and we're like, okay, well, it's not in the area that we want to be in or it doesn't fit our model, then that's one that we'll wholesale out. If it's one that we look at and we say, like, I just did one, well, I'll save that for the deep deal. Deep, uh, deep deal, deal dive. Deep dive, yeah. Yeah, <laughs> deep, 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 deep. So uh, that's how we make our decision. We look at them and we we have some core areas in the Midwest that we invest in. And if it's within that core areas and the numbers work for us, then we'll either fix and flip it or we'll hold on to it. If not, then we'll just wholesale it out. Hey, I have a question on that. I, I love the idea of having an acquisition manager or acquisition managers. Can you explain, like, how do you find a good acquisitions manager? How are you paying them? Is it a salary? Is it commission based? Any Anything you can go on that would help me, I know. Sure. So actually, I, I found the majority of my acquisitions managers through bigger pockets. Nice. Uh, and the reason being is because I blog, you know, and I blog on the site and then people started contacted me. Hey man, I'm trying to get started. I'm trying to learn. And then I knew this particular area that we wanted to be in. So the people that were in that area, I would vet them. I would fly out sometime and we would do a Zoom call and conference and uh, vet them. And then we would just let them start doing some some call intakes and see, and we would record the calls and see how good they are. Mm. And then we just started hiring them. And then we give them 15% on each deal, you know, that close. So from lead intake to closing table, they close out the deal, they get 15%. And then if we do a flip, then they have to be patient until the property closes, then they get 15% of the profit. That's awesome. So here, here's what I want to say. Everybody out there listening to this, like from two sides, right? There are people out there that have a good business going right now, but need to scale larger or need to reduce their hours they're spending in their business and work on their business, not in it. So that you can find these people all around, like start networking. You don't have to even necessarily have a blog though. That definitely helps is writing and, and putting content out there, but even just attending local bigger pockets, meetups, chatting with people, having those conversations, you can find young, eager, excited, not always young, but usually younger, eager, excited people. And if you're that eager, excited real estate, like up and coming, like what a great opportunity to learn from somebody who's been there, who's doing it and to make some money on the side. I mean, I know like the, yeah. It's, it's such a phenomenal win-win. And that's how I got started, Brandon. I mean, I started bird dogging. So I would yeah. just go out and try and find these deals. And in the midst of doing that, I was finding contractors. I was finding yep. other wholesalers. I was finding buyers. So I was just creating this pool of people that I knew eventually in the future that I would end up doing some business with. And that's why I want to tell people, you know, you have to be patient. It don't happen overnight. You got to start building these processes and building rapport with these people. And you'll find yourself in in amazing positions and finding amazing deals. Marcus, I want to ask you for the people who come to you and say, hey, I really want to learn wholesaling. Can I come work in your company? I'll do whatever it takes because there's a lot of that that goes around. People that say they do whatever it takes. What do you find are the key traits that lead to someone being successful in the role of an acquisition manager? One of the things that they have to be tenacious, you know, they can't give up easily. And I know that sounds so simplistic, but you just don't know how many people that we talk to and they say, Hey, I want to do this. And I say, okay, well, go and do these three things. Very simple things. Go and do these three things. 
I'll call you back in a week or two or, or the next month and see what you did. A lot of times they don't even do it, but you know, they want to be Instagram millionaires and they want to be Facebook stars, but they're not going out there and putting in the work. So guys, you're listening. You just have to put in the work. You have to sacrifice, turn the TV off, get off Instagram, stop chatting, get out there and, and hit the streets and start trying to find some deals. And those people will take you seriously. And that's the reason why I was able to find great mentors is because I was out there making the mistakes. I was beating the streets. I was at the meetups saying, hey, I don't understand this. I got this deal that's at retail, you know, and everybody was like, this guy don't know what he's doing. But I was willing to look foolish, you know, at a later age. You know, I wasn't too older, but I was able to get out there and be vulnerable. Now, what about how much did your personality change? From the guy who was on the phone trying to talk to a, a seller directly to the person who actually like went in there, has the conversation, closes it, gets a contract signed and puts it down the pipeline. Same person. Did you learn skills like verbal skills with how to talk to people or like? Yeah, you, you, you just got to kind of have that voice inflection. You have to mimic the seller. You have to be mm-hmm. patient. Um, I'll give you an example. I had a seller. In Chicago, I'm here in Arizona, and I I I had to vet them. I had I did actually handheld this one myself because every now and then I like to get on the phone and I like to show my acquisition managers, hey, I still got this. Yeah. You know? <laughs> so <laughs> got on the phone with him. I never met him. We only spoke over the phone. I was able to walk him all the way through. And at the end of the day, he put the contract, returned the contract back to me in the mail. So I'll take some time to, to tell you this. This is what I did. So I vetted him over the phone, ran my comps over the phone, called him back. And I said, hey, Mr. Seller, this is what we can offer you for the property. He agreed. However, he was not tech savvy. He was older. So I had to put that contract in the mail, overnight it to him. And then I stayed on the phone for like an hour and a half going through the contract line by line for him so he can understand the contract. He put the contract back in the mail. I received it. I then had to call him back, confirm, hey, Mr. Seller, I received the contract. Thank you. Next next step of the way is I'm going to sign everything, send it off to our attorney. Attorney will send it off to our escrow company. We'll open escrow. You will be in contact with our attorney. You know, so it's basically you have to know the different personalities, David, that you're talking to on the phone. Some people you have to hold their hand and walk them all the way through. Others, they just want to know what's what's the what's the top dollar you can give me. If it don't work for them, okay, fine, so be it. We'll put you in our follow up system and give you a call, you know, down the road. But again, it takes patience. You have to know who you're talking with. You can't be afraid to get on the phone. But to answer your question, David, when I first started this, I hated talking on the phone. Mm-hmm. You can ask my wife. She's like, you never talk on the phone, but when someone calls about a lead, oh, you're ready to jump on the phone. I said, well, you better be glad I'm ready to jump on the phone because those $19,000 checks, you know, make you very happy. That's so so. funny. I say that to the agents on my team when a lead comes in and they don't want to take the call and I'll say why, like, well, I was eating lunch and I'll say, okay, what were you eating? I was eating a sandwich (laughs) and I'll say that was a $900,000 buyer. That was, you just walked away from $23,500 commission. Like, was that a $23,000 sandwich that you were eating, right? <laughs> Absolutely. But my mind has tweaked to learn to look at things that way. And it, it kind of ties into what I was hoping you'd say, and you absolutely did. 
a lot of the newbies who get into real estate investing, and there's all kinds of ways. There's wholesaling, there's flipping, there's buying rentals, mm-hmm. there's multifamily. There's even being a real estate agent. In a sense, you're still working in the real estate world. Yep. They want to take the version of themselves they are right now and make it work in a new world. And a lot of us, the way that we learn how to work is we start in a very big company and the bigger company that you're in, the less you can get away with doing. You can have a very specific skill set when your company has 500 people and all you have to do is look at financials or all you have to do is answer a phone or, or maybe support somebody else who's in sales. But when you get into our world, it's like entrepreneur, entrepreneurial world where you get a really big piece of that pie. You got to do a lot of the different jobs. Yep. And people that don't do well walk in with this, this expectation that they're going to be themselves in the new world and get the same results they've always got. And as an entrepreneur, you cannot think that way. You got to think, I will become whatever I need to be in this world. I don't like talking on the phone. Well, I'm going to have to learn how to talk on the phone, right? I don't like to be interrupted when I'm eating. I like my downtime. Well, then you're going to lose $23,000 because that lead doesn't care that you're eating a sandwich. They don't really care how you feel at all. And that's one of the things I think that when, when I look at somebody and they say, hey, I want to do this, I'll usually test them. Like, do you understand that you're not going to just be able to look at an Excel spreadsheet all day long, that you actually in this role have to be somewhat engaging with people? And are you willing to make that change? Are you willing, like you said, to be rejected and look like a fool at the meetups? I bet you nine other people start the same time as you. You're the only one willing to look like a fool. You're the one who learns at a rate 50 times faster than them. They'll eventually get to where you are 15 years later because they don't want to go out there. They don't want to put themselves out there. No one's giving them advice. And I just want all the listeners to understand you could do anything in the world that you want to do if you're willing to adapt to whatever you have to adapt to to do it. You know, And this world is... You're able to when it's just your personality, right? I couldn't change my body to be like a horse jockey. That's not going to happen. I don't have the ability to go be a horse no, jockey, I don't, right? I don't think so. Right? <laughs> there, and then, like, like, but maybe I could have the body of an NFL football player if I really, really mm-hmm. work super hard. But I'm never going to be like an NBA center. Uh, there's physical limitations on what you can do in that world. But in this world, there's nothing but your own attitude that determines how well you'll do. And if people understand, if I go work for Marcus, I'm going to have to do these things and they're willing to do it and they just do it until they become callous and it doesn't work, but doesn't bother them anymore. They will be successful. You've created an environment where the phone is ringing and people have houses they want to sell. You've got leads. That's what a business needs, right? You need people that can convert those leads. And every business has something like that. They all have a position that if you're willing to adapt and change yourself and become tenacious, not not worry about rejection get comfortable using a spreadsheet, whatever it is that's holding you back, you can do well in that industry. You're absolutely right, David. And one of the things that I had to do to make sure I adapt was I had these daily confessions every day because again, I wasn't the people person. I didn't go out. I didn't you know, talk to people. I was always just a thinker, strategize and everything like that. And I have someone else to execute. So every morning I had to get up and I had to speak these confessions over myself, you know, I am, you know, a people person and things like that. And then I started to adapt and I started to become that person, you know, and I know a lot of people think all of this mindset stuff is, you know, just a bunch of rah, rah, rah. But I mean, I'm proof that that it absolutely works because there were some key things that I had to deal with, you know, personally in order for me to get to where I am now. And I, and I know that if I didn't deal with those things, I wouldn't be where I am. Would you agree that that's everyone we've ever seen that turned the corner being successful was exactly what Marcus said is there was a part of their personality that had to change some wound they they experienced early in life that caused them to be a certain way that had, they had to let go of it. 
I was going to say, this is why I'm not a huge fan of like the guru who's like the, you know, pay $40,000 for my coaching program, whatever, because that's not what they need. Like most people Mm -hmm. probably would be way better off with a therapist Therapist, or like, or a performance coach. I have a performance coach. His name is Jason Drees. I like, we've been working together for like three years. Every week he finds something that we talk about, or I find something in my personality that is stopping me from the next level. And it has nothing to do with real estate, but it has everything to do with my real estate success. And so, yeah, it's been, it, I guess, a huge thing for me is to, to figure out the mindset stuff first or while I'm going through it and, and change who I am, not just what I want, but who I am, which is yep. going to get me what yes, I want. That, and nobody wants to do that, but that's what it takes. My performance coach, his name is Phil Toll. He worked with Metallica. He works with NFL players, NFL coaches, movie stars, yeah. like musicians. He's super good. You can actually like see he was on a documentary that Metallica made called oh, really? Monster. It's that guy. Yeah. <laughs> and it is expensive, man. I have to pay thousands of dollars every month just for coaching. Right. But when you go pay for that $50,000 program, it's equivalent of saying, I'm going to pay $50,000 get access to this gym that has any machine I would ever want to use. It has the yeah. best stuff in the world. Here's all of it. I'm going to give you everything that yep. I've got. Here it is. And then you never use it. Yeah, because it's hard and no one no one shows you how to use the machines and no one tells you what to expect and you don't know where to start and how to build up a skill here and then apply it there you know what actually works is when you get a personal trainer yeah Mm -hmm. and you get accountability and you get a person that hey i know you don't know how to use this machine let me walk you through it right that's what the coach is for your mindset they're going to actually help you change to become the the version of you that that you need to be to be successful i would posit to say 99 percent of people like that high of a percentage that's what's missing in their success is they did not walk into it understanding I have to change me yes. to get yep. here. Yep. And, that, and that's the key thing. And you have to look like where you're going. So if you want to have 50, 50 units, you can't do the things to get one wholesale deal and think you're going to get 50 units. You have Mm. to start working on, okay, what do I need to do in order to get to 50 units? Who do I need to talk to? Who do I need to be around? I can't just stay in this little box of being a wholesaler. I have to adapt and I have to put myself in uncomfortable positions in order to get to where I want to be. So, you know, like you said, guys, performance coach is excellent. You got to have that. Yeah, it's huge. Uh, I'm curious before we move on to like the deal deep dive and stuff, where do you see your business headed in the future? I mean, especially with the market and being so toppy, like, are you changing your strategy or where do you, where's the next few years for you? We are. So with, with Phoenix, since it has become so top heavy, we started virtual wholesaling. And that's why I was talking about being on the phone and I'm teaching our acquisitions people, how to close people over the phone. I didn't believe that it was possible until I actually started doing it. And I'm like, wow, why do I need to go out there when I can actually do this? you know, right over the phone. So now I'm training our people to do that. So we can not only wholesale here in Phoenix, but we're doing it in Chicago. And then we're going to be doing it other places in the Midwest. But I mean, my ultimate goal, you know, is to to own 50 units by the time I'm 50 and then spawn from there. So um, we're just using wholesaling as one step in order to get to where we're going, but we do have a strategic plan. And those who are with us right now that's wholesaling, we're encouraging them to start looking at deals and go out and buy some things. That way, not only are they working, but they can start investing as well. There's a lot of people that think you can't do things over the phone. You can't do it virtually. I would say you can't do it as easily. You can't do it if you're not good. But if you're yep. good enough, man, Like every time I come to Hawaii with Brandon, I do listing appointments or sorry, listing presentations for real estate clients via Skype. 
and I come back with two or three listings every single time that I'm here. I actually make more money because I post all the stuff we're doing <laughs> in Hawaii. I get people that now remember that I'm here and they want to talk about Hawaii. It turns into talking about selling their house. I give them a listing presentation over the thing and I come back with a signed listing agreement and a listing ready for sale That's that funny. I do all of it virtually. Now, it, that doesn't mean like it's the same. It's easier when you're in person. It totally is like riding yeah. a bike is easier with training wheels. But when you're good at riding a bike, you don't have to do it that way. And now you've done the really smart thing where you're like, all right, this is a super competitive market. I don't want to be investing here. Very similar to me saying, I don't want to buy in California. It's just too expensive to buy rentals. So where are all the deals? Okay, I'll go there. And then you ask the question, how do I do it? What would it take to do this? And the answer was, boom, well, I'll just get really good over the phone. And now you've got another business. Yep. And that's, and that's basically what we're doing. Most of our deals are coming from the Midwest. We just received three contracts. Last week, all of them were basically over the phone, vetted over the phone, closed over the phone and yep. sent us the contract. You don't have to have another brick and mortar place. You don't have to pay rent in another spot. You don't have to like pay for all the typical like costs that you would have to do to start a business. You've already got all these fixed costs in place with what you're doing and you're just bolting this on. So your expenses don't go up at all. And like other than maybe like whatever you have to pay people to do due diligence work out there. But mm -hmm. your income rises exponentially and your profit margins just go up really high. Yeah. And then even, even with our team that's out there in Chicago, we even meet with them on Skype. Yep. Here's our, here's our weekly meeting. We go over, you know, yep. uh, our KPIs. This is what we're doing. This is where we want to go. Here are the leaders, here are the laggers, you know, let's pick it mm -hmm. up and let's see what we you're can get done in next speaking, week. You're speaking my language. Yeah. I love that. <laughs> KPIs, lead, lag. Mm, I love that stuff. <laughs> All right. Uh, awesome. Awesome, dude. Well, let's move on to the next segment of the show. I want to get to know one of your deals better. So it's time for the deal, deal deep, deep dive. dive. We're going to get to know one particular deal you've done. So uh, you got something in mind? Yeah, absolutely. So this was a hotel deal that we did. And again, this was all vetted over the phone. So, all right. Yeah. Where's it, where's it at? Uh, this is in Chicago. Okay. Single family house? Single family house in Chicago. Hotel. If you guys know what a hotel deal is. Yeah, explain, explain that. Sure. So similar to a wholesale deal, contacted the seller. We got the property under contract. So instead of turning around and then just assigning it to an end buyer, we actually took it down. And the funny thing about it, Brandon, is the person that took it down for me was my uh, attorney. He saw the deals that we were doing because he was closing all of our deals in the Midwest. And he was like, hey, how can I get a part of this? And yeah. I said, here's a deal here. It's limited risk. You can be a part of this. And he put up all of the money, all of the cash, no dime out of my pocket. That's cool, man. So, so what you're saying is a wholesale deal is where you put a contract or a property under contract and sell the contract to someone. A wholesale deal is where you're actually closing on it and then you're selling the property to somebody else, but you got title. Is that correct? Exactly. Exactly. So I'm holding title and then uh, we go out and find, normally it's just a traditional end buyer. Now know? this wouldn't be part of our deal deep dive, but I'm curious, how do you determine when you should wholesale and when you should wholesale? Actually, that one was very, very specific. That was the first one that I've actually done. And really I did that because I wanted to build this relationship with the attorney, but I'll get into that, David, when we talk about this, this deep, deep okay. deal. Deep awesome. dive. So on this deal, how'd you find it? Marketing, direct mail. Okay. Direct and mail. Um, sent letters from here in Phoenix. We got a local mail house in Phoenix, you know, that coordinates the walk sequence. So again, we can get these full color letters out for 49 cents, the same as people will pay for postage. 
for post awesome. All right. How much was the property? Like, first of all, how much was he asking for it? And then what did you end up getting it for? So she was asking for a hundred. Uh, she okay. was asking for a hundred. The property was in meticulous condition. Um, at the end of the day, I tried to talk her out of selling it to me because I want, <laughs> I want it to be a win-win for both parties. And I was looking at the best interest for her. She was an older lady. Her husband passed away. So it was a deceased mailing and she just said she couldn't do it anymore. So I talked to her for about four to five months. So I told her the initial call, she said she wanted a hundred thousand dollars. She sent me pictures, text me pictures. And I looked at it and I said, well, you know what? Maybe you need to list this property on an MLS. She'll get way more than what we're offering. But by the way, this is what I'm willing to offer you. I'm willing to offer you $51,000. ARV was 180. So I thought it was over with. Thought yeah. it was dead. Thought it was over with. We were 50 grand away, you know, and then she just, she just called me and she was like, you know what? I don't want to go through it with the realtor. You know, I'm keeping up with the electricity, the bills and everything like that. $51,000, send me the contract, we'll do it. Wow, awesome. Well, that kind of explains how you negotiated that thing. Yeah, you actually <laughs> tried to negotiate for her instead of you, but that worked out good for you. I that did, awesome. but, but you know what, guys? It's My whole approach is service. I want to make sure we provide service to our mm. sellers, to our buyers. So if the deal don't make sense for them, don't do it. You know, it's, don't do it. I 100% agree with you because what happens is you unlock your own subconscious to be on board with supporting what you're trying to do. Yeah. It's the same way giving works. When you know that if I if I make this money, I'm giving this much of it away, your subconscious knows how good that feels. And it's like, I want you to work harder and it gets behind you and empowers you. I feel that same thing as a real estate agent when I'm representing a seller. And let's say I've listed your house for 700000 and I got some buyer who just needs it so bad and I've negotiated him up to like eight oh five. Okay. Mm -hmm. And we're going over who's going to pay the title and escrow fees. It's so easy to just be like, I don't care. We're making $105,000. Right. But all I think about in my head is they hired me to get them every single dollar that they could. So I'm going to drag out this title and escrow thing for another 48 hours and make them think that another buyer is going to come pay more, even though that'll never happen because my conscious needs to know that I did the best job I could. Yep. Because the next time I go on a listing appointment, if I didn't do that, there's a little voice. that's like, no, you're not. You're not going to give it your best. You're just nope. going to give it better than other people. And so you have to like be true to yourself. You have to satisfy who you know you are as a person. And when your your subconscious lines up with your goals, that's where you actually make really big progress. And so yep. I 100% agree that the way that you do it is the way that it should be done. You got to follow what feels right inside. Yeah. And a lot yeah. of people, they, you know, especially wholesalers, I understand you're, you're just now getting into real estate and you're trying to make as much money as you can so you can pivot and do something else. But at the same time, you know, it, it's just about service. And again, that's the reason why I was a horrible drug dealer. It was because of my conscience. You know, I want to do. I was thinking <laughs> that as I was talking, actually. Like, thank God that you were a really bad drug dealer because now we get to talk to you about house dealing. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So, but yeah. I, and that's what I preach to all of our people, you know, is just provide excellent service and the money will come on the back end. So, to answer your question, Brandon, I didn't have to do much, much negotiating because I, I, I told her what we was willing to pay. It was way lower than what she she was willing to accept. But due to life circumstances, she came back around and she was like, look, let's just get it done. So with this one, I did fly out to Chicago to meet her. I mean, I was talking to her on the phone for four to five months. We had built up this report. So I said, you know what? I'll fly back. I'll see you to get a chance to see my family also. And when I walked in the property 
the property was in such great shape. You know, I could have licked the floors. The floors were just refinished, new windows, new roof, everything. And it was new. And then again, I told her, I said, are you sure you want to do this for $50,000? Because you could definitely get more listening on the MLS. And she said, she just don't want to deal with it. And, um, Signed the contract right there, got it for 51, sent it to our attorney. And that's when he said he wanted to be a part of the deal. We took it down. He gave us 90 grand. We was assuming that we was going to do a light flip on it. So we put 40 into it. That's what we was assuming we was going to put 40 into it. But my partner said, hey, you know what? Let's just put it on the MLS and see what happens. So that's what we did. Put it on the MLS and... Literally within 72 hours, we had an offer for $150,000. Wow. 150? 150. We got it for 51. Our, our buyer has some contingencies, so we had to pay some contingencies. We redid sure. the garage roof. We updated some electrical. So we put about 15 into it. So we were all in at like 65, 66 and turned around and sold it for 50, 151. That's awesome. All right. So what was the outcome at the end? So, you know, profit wise, what's that look like? 75K or something like that? Yep. So it was, it was actually 60. And the reason why is because the attorney took care of us. So I, I turned mm-hmm. around, I took care of him and we gave him 30% of the upside, which we didn't have to do. Uh, yeah. But, but again, I'm a relationship person and he has more money. So he has more money to filter. So I was like, well, we'll take the bite on this end and uh, make it up on the back end. So we let yep. it. 60 grand on that. That's awesome. Isn't there saying like, if you shear a sheep, you can always shear it. But if you kill it, you can only kill it once. Yep. I don't know if that's a phrase. Did you just make that up? No, I'm, I said it, but I'll give you the opportunity to make it up and take credit for it later. The idea is right. You made that attorney happy. You shared the sheep. He's going to come back. with. I think you're thinking of the golden goose. You don't want to kill the golden goose, the goose that lays the golden eggs. You know, two different parables with the same. There's something about shearing a sheep. And listeners, when you guys are hearing this, can you please go on like our Instagrams or something and set me straight on this parable that I'm really messing up? I've been too focused on analogies lately, and my, my parables have fallen. You are working on a new book. That, that I got was, another analogy that's similar please. to that. That's what a male cow, a bull, and his and his son okay, might yeah, be I a little bit We're not talking about that on the podcast. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'll tell you that one later. Brandon. <laughs> All right. So, what lessons did you learn from this deal? <laughs> I learned to be patient. That's that's one thing. And I learned to listen because at first I was just going to do the flip regardless because we could have we could have made another 25, 30 grand. We could have sold it for 185, you know, yeah. if, if we would have went in and put another 40 into it. But I was like, well, why put 40 into it to make 30? It makes no sense. And why go through the headache? So it was really one of the things that I learned was really listening to others, listening to my partner and some of the other people that I sent the deal to just to kind of vet it. Uh, because I, again, I thought it was too good to be true. And instead of us doing the flip, it was like, just hotel it and, and get rid of it and move it. Yeah. Awesome, man. Very, very cool story. Well, that was a good deal. Deep dive, but now it's time to head over to the fire round. It's time for the fire round. All right, time for the world-famous fire round. These questions come direct out of the Bigger Pockets forums, which, of course, our listeners should go and access by going to biggerpockets.com slash forums and, and jump in. There's people like Marcus hanging out in there all the time. Marcus, number one from the fire round. Corey from Raleigh, Raleigh, 
Raleigh. 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 Raleigh, North Carolina. It's like the French way of You should it. know that because we were just talking about I that know, uh, Darius Rucker song, Wagon Wheel. Yeah. He talks about Raleigh. He doesn't say Raleigh. Well, whatever. He does <laughs> say Raleigh. Let's say you've got 100K invested, uh, saved up to invest in real estate. What would you do to generate the highest possible return with average market risk? With 100K, you know what? I would look to probably partner with somebody so I can buy some multifamilies, some, some larger multifamilies somebody that's syndicating or something like that. Cause that way that money can continuously turn and turn and turn. And then you have the tax incentives versus trying to go out doing a flip or something like that and getting hit over the head 30% on taxes. Mm-hmm. Nice. Okay. Yeah. Next question is from Aaron Withana. It's tax season. What do you do for your taxes? Do you use a professional CPA? And if so, do you have any tips on finding one? Uh, I use a professional CPA tips on finding one is really ask around going to bigger pockets forums, wherever you live at your area, ask some of the other investors that's in there. One thing I do want to say is don't just grab any accountant because some accounts are not really specialized in investing. So make sure you find someone that has a background dealing with real estate. Yeah. We were just, Brandon and I were just talking about this yesterday that finding a good accountant is one of the hardest things to do. Because their answer is almost always depends. Yeah, it depends. Yeah, like it was the same thing. I hated that when I was a, a police officer. I'd ask guys like, "Okay, so let's say the suspect does this. Can I do that?" And the answer was always, "Well, it depends, right? Yeah. If he's beating somebody with a hammer, you can. But if he's tickling them with a feather, then you can't." <laughs> and I was like, "If he's tickling them with a feather, I'm not asking this question, right? right, like, right. Can't you just give me a straight answer?" And it's tough when you're in any kind of a position where there's liability on the advice that you give somebody and it makes yeah. everybody. So you have to really, really look hard to find that CPA that's confident enough in what they're doing and experienced enough that they can give you good advice. Absolutely. Yeah. All right. Number three, Jose from uh, J- Joliet. 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 Yeah, I can't help you on this. One. Uh, Joliet. Joliet, Illinois. Joliet, Illinois. Yep. All right. You know, this. Illinois. Yeah. I recently started wholesaling. I don't have a ton of money to spend on marketing, but if all the deal finders out there, what marketing strategies are working best for you for somebody who doesn't have any cash? Wow, networking. That's one of the best things to do. Go to all of the different meetups, things like that. Start networking. If you don't have a lot of money, then start bird dogging. Get with a, an experienced wholesaler and go out there and try and find deals for them. That way you can make some money and still try and uh, learn, you know, learn how to wholesale. So I would say go out. Make sure you go to all of the meetups, have your face everywhere and try and find you a mentor, you know, but you got to, when you, when you're looking for a mentor, you have to be willing to work. You can't just say I'm looking for a mentor and then don't do mm-hmm. anything. All right. Really good. good. All right. Last question is from Rick in Hackettstown, New Jersey. That is a funny name. How did they end <laughs> up naming the town Hackettstown? Probably something horrible happened there. <laughs> Mass murder by Hackett or something. All right. The question is, I've been told to build my cash buyers list before I get deals. But what do I say to the people that call me looking for the deal? I won't have a property to offer them and they won't get, and will they get ticked off and not want to work? with? No, they won't get ticked off because right now in, in almost in every market, people are trying to find deals and sellers. I mean, buyers know that the more that they're on wholesalers buyers list, the more opportunities they have to find deals. So again, that's that limiting belief, you know, maybe the buyers won't want to work with me. Just get out there and do it. So what? Get their email address. And when you do come across a deal, now you can send it to that buyer and see what he'll do with it. Yeah. It's no. like somebody call, if somebody calls me and is like, Hey, Brandon, so I'm looking for deals on Maui for flips. I don't have anything yet, but I, I'm working this strategy. I'm really trying hard for this. 
And when I get something, can I bring it to you? Would you want to buy it? Like, why would I say, like, why would that make me mad? I'd be like, what, you don't yes. already have something? Yeah, yeah. yeah right. What, you don't have a deal? You're wasting my time, peon. <laughs> like, no, I'd be like, yeah, go get something. Bring it to me. Now, I said I wouldn't get on a phone for eight hours with that person because, like, you know, they haven't proven themselves. Right. But can they bring me a deal? Yeah, no one's going to say no to that. And that's how cool. they prove themselves by bringing something Primary to the table. Primary deal. That's it. You know? That's it, man. Beautiful. All right. Very, very good answers to the fire round. And now it's time to move to the last segment of the show. Famous Four. All right. Time for the Famous Four. These questions are the same four questions we ask every guest every week here on the Bigger Pockets podcast. And now, Marcus, favorite real estate related book. Man, I have to go with the classic, and that's just Robert Kiyosaki's Rich Dad, Poor Dad. I got it nice. up behind me. Make sure I filter through it at least once a year. Very cool. What about your favorite business? Power Broke, man. I like that because starting out with no money, you got to hustle and you don't, you're bringing nothing to the table, but your skills, your education, your knowledge, and you have to turn that into capital. So Power Broke by Damon Johns. All right. I've not read that one. I'll put it on my list. When you're not wholesaling and dropping $19,000 checks on the table to show off to your <laughs> wife, what are some of the hobbies you enjoy? Man, I have two. My son, he is a, he's 10 years old. He's a little league full contact football player. So I go out there and I volunteer with the coaches. They just won a championship yesterday playing seven on seven. That gets me nice. energy, get me going. And then I'm an avid Harley rider, man. I got a custom Harley. So I get out there and spend some time strategizing and thinking while I'm, while I'm riding. So let me That's ask awesome. you a question. When you're out there with the other parents of the football kids or your motorcycle buddies, how often do you talk about real estate? It always comes up, even though when I try not to talk about it, yeah. because a lot of them are <laughs> my social profiles and things like that. Talk about a deal that I've done or something yep. like that. They want to congratulate me. They want to ask, hey, how can I do it? So it always comes up, you know, even when I'm trying not to. The best yeah. part about our profession is that riding a Harley with a bunch of guys or watching <laughs> your kids game is work. I know. Yeah. Right? If you yep. just talk about real estate and people remember you and say, hey, can you help me buy a house? Or, hey, uh, I got a deal I think that you need to look at. You just got paid to go have fun. Yeah. Yep. What's also cool, and I've said this before, is how real estate is a cool profession. Like, you're a, like, we're cool dudes to a lot of people, you know, like that sounds stupid. Oh, but yeah. like, yeah, people are like, you know, yeah, the, the Harley guy who I think is super cool, but he's looking at you going. Dude, that guy does real estate. Like, I've always wanted to do real estate. Everybody wants to do real estate someday. Yeah. Everybody has, like, I, I want to do that poll sometime soon. And ask, like, the question to, like, a random 1,000 Americans, do you someday want to invest in real estate? I bet you it's over 90% would say yes. Oh, yeah. I can, you know? I can almost guarantee yeah. that. So everyone just knows deep down that, like, real estate's where it's at. So, anyway, yeah, if you, I get people constantly, like, I'll, people be like, yeah, congratulations on the deal you just closed. I'm like, how would you even know about that? Like, we don't even, <laughs> yep. and like, oh, I saw it on your Facebook or your Instagram. Like, so yeah, talk about your successes. It's a great way to get people to congratulate you. And then people want to be a part of success. Then they want to give you private money or they want to invest in your fund or whatever. Like I'm picking Absolutely. up a lot of investors in our fund opened our capital. A lot of them came from just my friends on Facebook who saw what we were doing. So yeah. yeah and, and then also, you know, they always ask you, well, what do you do? Oh, I'm a real estate investor. Yeah. And then it just it just goes from there. I mean, when you say real estate investor, it's almost like you're a superhero, like you're wearing a cape. Or well, something. they're hoping that you invite them on your yacht to go cruise the Mediterranean <laughs> with, you know, all yes. the perks yeah. that come from real estate of investing. Course, yeah. I've yet to yeah. run into the yacht yet. Yeah, but. yeah, I'm getting there. Yeah, yeah, working on it. All right, Marcus, what do you believe sets apart successful real estate investors from all those who give up, fail, or never get started? 
Man, tenacity and believing in themselves, you know, that's that's basically it. They got to have that tenacity and grit and then they got to believe in themselves, you know, and bet on yourself. Love it. Very cool. All right. For people that want to learn more about you, maybe want to work with you, mentor from you. How can they find out more about you? Man, they can find me on Bigger Pockets, all of my social media profiles there. And my social media handles are MRCS Maloney. That's at Twitter, at Instagram, you know, at Facebook, or they can go to MarcusEMaloney.com. All right. Very cool. And Marcus, thanks for being here. Thanks, guys. And always remember to enjoy the journey. I love it. It's awesome. This is David Green for Brandon putting fun in funds. Turner signing off. You're listening to Bigger Pockets Radio, simplifying real estate for investors large and small. If you're here looking to learn about real estate investing without all the hype, you're in the right place. Be sure to join the millions of others who have benefited from BiggerPockets.com, your home for real estate investing online. The market is changing and finding your way can be tricky. Rates shift, headlines whirl, but your goal hasn't changed. You want financial freedom. And the best investors know it's not about timing the market, it's about time in the market. If you're ready to get into the real estate investing game or take your game to the next level, finding an investor-friendly agent is your next step. With BiggerPockets Agent Finder, you can find the right agent in minutes. Just head to biggerpockets.com deals and enter a few details about what and where you want to buy and bam, instantly match with an investor-friendly agent who fits the bill. These local market experts can help you navigate the neighborhoods, analyze the numbers, and take action with confidence once and for all. This free resource is only available at biggerpockets.com deals. Get an agent, get the deal, and get closer to financial freedom at biggerpockets.com deals. That's biggerpockets.com deals to find your investor-friendly agent today. The content of this podcast is for informational purposes only. Past performance is not indicative of future results, and all hosts and participant opinions are their own. Investment in any asset, real estate included, involves risk. Use your best judgment and consult with qualified advisors before investing. Only risk capital you can afford to lose. BiggerPockets LLC disclaims all liability for direct, indirect, consequential, or other damages arising from reliance upon information presented in this podcast.